With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, the environment, stress, or simply not getting enough of the right foods can leave us deficient in key nutrients. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill in the nutritional gaps in your diet, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need of taking multiple products or pills. For the past few months, Athletic Greens has been a staple in my routine. I especially appreciate their vitamin D supplement that's formulated for greater bioavailability. Those who are melanated are notoriously vitamin D deficient, which plays a huge role in so many of our organ systems. Athletic Green understands its importance and is giving my listeners a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you subscribe. To redeem your offer, visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis for your one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Cassandra Dunbar. Hey, sis, how are you? How have you been? How's life been treating you? But more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? I've been well, soaking up these last few days of summer because the new school year is quickly upon us. And uh, yeah, (laughs) also with the Delta variant cases spiking around the country, I think we'll inevitably be back on lockdown in the coming weeks. With that said, if you aren't vaccinated, I strongly suggest that you consider it. I won't gaslight you by insinuating that the vaccine hesitancy doesn't come from anywhere, especially given the complex and often really ugly history of our community with the medical industrial complex. However, Black and brown communities are being the hardest hit by COVID. So please give it another thought. Also, whether or not you're vaccinated, please consider continue to wear your mask. Honestly, I care about you and I want you to remain well. Very few of us who are in our 30s and beyond can honestly say that we're living the exact lives that we planned in our 20s. Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes it isn't, and then there are other times when we really aren't sure because life looks so different from what we envisioned. What do you do when life has disappointed you? How do you regain your footing when career setbacks have knocked you down? Or what about if you look in the mirror and you barely recognize yourself because you no longer recognize the person staring back at you? because you've been so defeated and your confidence is non-existent. Today's conversation explores disappointment, particularly those that we may encounter in our careers, how to bounce back from those disappointments, giving ourselves permission to grieve those experiences, as well as permission to explore other parts of ourselves. I had the opportunity to speak with Kyla, who is a lawyer as well as host of You Are a Lawyer podcast, in a really vulnerable conversation that addresses disappointment and perceived failures. So without further ado, let's hop into the conversation. Thank you so much for joining. I am so, so glad you're here. Be well, sis. Kyla Donano is the host of You Are a Lawyer podcast, where she shares stories of lawyers with exciting career changes and interests. After graduating from law school, Kyla realized that many of her former classmates were 
working in non-traditional legal roles. The podcast is a platform to share the stories of yogis, nurses, beauty brand creators, and others who are all lawyers. She lives in Ohio with her husband and her daughter. So I'm just so happy to have you. I've known you virtually for a minute because we're both part of the Black Pod Collective. During one of our meetups, you're like, yeah, you've never been on a podcast before as a guest. I'm just like, excuse me? <laughs> Come on mine, but it took me forever to get my act together. So I'm so happy to hear. I was like, I'll, I'll take a chance with you. Yeah, let's see. So let's talk. So I actually was just listening to your podcast earlier. I was running some errands. I'm like, let me put in her podcast. And it was when they released yesterday where you're talking to the marketing director of Buzzsprout. Yes. So because I'm not in your field, I just, one of the things that you asked was about how perfectionism that you may have had in law school that makes a good lawyer, right? How that can transfer into different career paths. So I want to talk to you about you being a lawyer and just your career transitions. So I am a lawyer and that is controversial because a lawyer means a law school graduate. And so it doesn't mean someone who has passed the bar exam and is a practicing attorney. Right. Before I went to law school, I used to hear people say, oh, you're a lawyer. No, I'm an attorney. And I'm like, OK, you're pretentious. Who cares? Right. Like tomato, tomato. But there are technically differences. I make that distinction and I call my podcast. You are a lawyer because it took me a really long time to accept the fact that I had done something successful by graduating law school, by attending law school, by completing it, even though I hadn't passed the bar exam to become a licensed attorney. Okay. So that was step one in breaking down perfectionism because many law students are type A, right? You tell us to do something, we'll do it two days early and be like, ta-da. <laughs> to get through law school and then the struggle with the bar exam, it crushed me. There are really no words to express. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at my old journals to like really get into it. But I've been out of school now for six years and I started the podcast a year and a half ago. And so it took me maybe up until two years ago to realize you've done something successful. You are a lawyer and you are allowed to like wear that on your chest. You are a lawyer. I am no longer with the firm I was with before. So after law school, I took a couple odd and end jobs, you know, a call center here or something like that. And then I started out working as a secretary at a law firm. This is primarily because I didn't tell anyone I went to law school because they would be like, why are you applying to be a secretary? And at that point, because of my odds and ends of jobs, I was like, I need a job. <laughs> so I was like, I think it's worse to lie and say I went to law school if I hadn't than to say I hadn't gone to school. So I'm like, all right, let's take this off. And so I, I started in the basement, literally, of a law firm, worked my way up. I was there for about 14 months. And then I'm like, what else is here? Oh, OK, I'll go be a paralegal. Did that for about a year. And in that role, I started telling people that I went to law school. Because I would edit documents and they were like, wow, you're really good. You can edit things without running it by me. Oh, you here, you can take this. You can, you can spearhead this project. And they were like, you're so good. And I was like, thank you. You know, I went to law school. What do you mean? I was like, yeah, I graduated. And they're like, what? You know what I mean? Like, here's all the stuff. Which, in hindsight, do I believe that they would have done that from jump? No. Because I still 100% will tell you, I don't believe I would have been hired had they known that I was a lawyer. I just don't believe it. I think they may have had hesitation because they don't want to pay you for your knowledge and your credentials too. That's a thing. And that's something that I had to learn as well. With the most recent role that I had before I left that big office, I had fought my way up into 
people kept saying, oh, we need another Kyla. We need another Kyla. And they weren't saying get rid of you. They were like, we need another person with your skills and talents and ambition and all of it. We need another Kyla. So I ended up creating a department where I managed seven paralegals. I hired, I trained, I taught them. I, you know, did follow up disciplinary stuff. And the eight of us managed all of the work for our seven offices. So it went outside of even our Cincinnati office to cover all the other offices that have our practice. That I bring up because I had to learn to ask to be paid for what my education had offered. Because I was like, oh my God, I have a job. Oh, it's not a cost center. Oh, I actually have benefits. I'm fine. And then I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, I'm managing people. I'm opening departments. I'm having meetings with partners. Can y'all pay me for this? And they actually did, but I had to advocate for myself and fight to be like, Kylie, you took a course on negotiation, use it. (laughs) Use all your stuff. So to tie back into perfectionism, because I had not reached my ultimate goal, and this is corny because the Olympics started today. I went to the Olympics, but I didn't get gold. So I wouldn't rep my bronze. But I have gone to law school and like completed it. And I it took me a really long time to realize that was valuable. And by the time I did, the money caught up. The skills caught up, all the other stuff caught up. Your story resonates a lot with mine because, no, I didn't go to law school. I'm a lawyer, but I went to medical school and I took all of my exam, all my license exams and I passed all my license exams. But when it came time for me to get into residency, I just did not get into residency. For a very long time, I struggled with saying that I'm a doctor or anything like that. It took me a very long time to, I guess, embrace that part of me. You know, when things didn't go the way that I expected them to go, I'm like, well, let's just say this didn't happen at all. And my husband was just like, this is wild. You are a whole expert in this particular field. Just because things didn't go the way you planned them for them to go does not take away all the work that you did and does not take away your expertise. And to your point, still a bronze medal winner. Most people don't go to the Olympics, period. So yeah, it is, it's a major thing. And shout out to our husbands who are like, no, you are incredible. Because sometimes it does take someone on the outside to look at you and say, yeah, you're doing great. Your best friends can tell you, the people you went to medical school with, the people I went to law school with can tell us, but we're like, but you don't get it because either you're in your residency or you're practicing or whatever. But sometimes it does take someone close to you doesn't even know you from that academic space to be like, no, this is dope. <laughs> like, I tell all my people you're a lawyer. So why don't you say you're a lawyer? Why don't you say you're a doctor? Especially not from people from my previous life, like from my medical space. I just don't want to hear what you have to say because I feel like it's just different. For me, I take it as, well, you just say that to be nice. You don't necessarily mean it. It's not genuine. And it's every day. So for me, it's still a struggle just because what I envisioned it didn't happen. I still struggle in my workspace in, in many ways. Have you overcome the disappointment of things not going where you had planned it? So earlier this year, I just came back to work in September. And so I've been back in work for a couple of months and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it. I want to be an attorney. Let's go. And I was like, I can't wait. I called a couple of bar exam coaches. I paid them money to just talk to them. And they're like, you can do it. You can do it. All you have to do is just do this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great. I can do it. And I got ready to apply. And I was like, I don't want to be an attorney. And that for me was so eye-opening because 
in this current office and in my prior office, people would tell me all the time, please take the exam and come over here. Please, please, please. Like you will be so great. It was an ego boost and it did feel good to hear because I know that I'm intelligent. I know that I captured all of the stuff I was supposed to learn in law school. But when it came down to performing for two days, I couldn't do it. Whether you could test me today and I could do it, but yesterday I couldn't, whatever the reason, during the days of those exams, I couldn't do it. I was like, okay, you know what? You're going to do it because I'm looking at my daughter and I'm like, I don't want to ever tell her I never finished something. I never completed something. But you did. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. But to your point earlier, it's a constant conversation. You are enough. You are a lawyer. Every week when I listen to it, I'm a 2015 law school graduate. I'm like, yeah, I am. I was about to take the test and I was like, here we go. Just just close the whole chapter. And I couldn't do it. And I was just like, no, I'm not paying any more money to do this. I literally speak to people every two weeks about why they are no longer practicing. And I know I would be able to add ESQ, Esquire behind my name, and I would not go and work for a law office. I know I wouldn't. I know in my gut I wouldn't. So why would I pay $1,800 to go take this exam again? I know I wouldn't. So that was when I knew I had made peace with it. So I was like, whatever respect or halo I think I'm going to get from having it, I know it's not going to be satisfying. And that was when I knew, okay, you do not need this. You have decided for yourself, this will not bring any more confidence, excitement, completion to your life. And that was when I knew. Yeah. You're just talking to me right now. I feel like you are like my kindred spirit because I've had those conversations with myself too. Do I still want to pursue this? Because, you know, I technically could apply again. And right now is where you start getting your application materials together. And my husband last summer was just like, listen, let's use some money to apply. And it's expensive to your point. And I'm just like, I don't want to use our money for that right now. At one point it was fine, but I've spent thousands of dollars on this and I don't see that I'll be happy in that space. My situation is that I'm looking at like our medical system and how fractured it is and how, especially how it's been for our community. I'm not sure if I'd feel satisfaction in that system because doctors don't really have autonomy anymore. Why go through all that? Plus I have little ones, right? My littlest is two. And I have to spend like almost days away from him at a time. Do I want to do that? So that was a good feeling, but every once in a while, I'll still think back like, I don't know. It's a little creeping little devil on your shoulder and it could be an angel, (laughs) but you know, you want to take it because it would be nice. But I can honestly tell you, not only do I know if we would have ever met had I become an attorney, but I just know that my life would look completely different had I passed, especially if I passed the bar the first time. I graduated May 2015. I studied for the July 2015 bar exam, and that was the Louisiana bar exam. And right now I live in Ohio. So if I was barred in Louisiana, they don't have reciprocity in other states for you to just move. I would probably still be in Louisiana. I cannot say that I would have a podcast. I wanted the whole lofty life while I'm making $250,000 a year as an attorney, which is not true. I have plenty of legal friends who are like, uh, I might make $70,000 this year. So it's not, you don't go into it for money, even though what you see in movies is for money. I think you go into it for, because you enjoy learning, because you do want the alphabet soup behind your name of all the different things you've done. 
But I can say for sure that my life would look very, very different. Just one other example of how it would look different. My husband and I, for years, were like, you ready to have a baby? No, I want to take the bar exam again. When else am I going to have 12 weeks to study and a full week to just be in a hotel and taking this exam? Not only the money part, but the time, the energy, the exhaustion. When am I going to have the time? So when we first moved here to Cincinnati, I took the bar exam for Ohio. He's like, I blacked out for like three months. I just remember buying you Reese cups. I was obsessed with Reese cups. I would be sitting there studying with my highlighters and just like eating frozen Reese cups. He's like, I just remember keep buying you king size Reese cups. So we kept putting off things. Are you ready to get married now? Let me take the bar exam one more time. Because when else will I have, I guess, to be selfish and to just do this thing for me? The bar exam and trying to become an attorney made me postpone so much of my life that thankfully, when we were ready to do all those things, it was still here. Thankfully, he was still here (laughs) because there was a lot of stuff that I was like, just one more time, just one more time, let me try one more time. And I won't give anything else power to make me postpone the things that I want to do again. That's real. The sacrifice that getting your postgraduate degree, whether it's law or medicine, it, you sacrifice a, a lot. And that's one thing that I share in common with you. I just didn't want to sacrifice another thing. I moved around for different rotations and for school. And because of that, I don't have that many adult relationships, people that I met like in my adulthood, right? People that I know I met like in college or beforehand. I just don't want to do that anymore. And with same with my husband, thank God he stuck around as I bounced from here to there for school. But I just don't want to sacrifice anything. And like you said, like that power that something can have over you is just over it. How have you overcome the self-doubt? Time has helped me overcome the self-doubt. I'm sitting now in a room that is half bedroom, half our office. I have my degrees up. I have plaques that I got in law school. Like I was editor in chief of an, so I have that sitting here. I have all that stuff that you would think okay, you're done with it, put it in a box. I look at it every day and I'm like, it almost feels like another lifetime, but at the same time, I have to remind myself it wasn't. It was literally six years ago. So I'm surrounded by those things. I look at them all the time. I have a gavel that I sit on my desk and I'm like, wow, you know, you have, oh my goodness, you've gone to law school. So time has helped me get over it, surrounding myself with my accolades and my things and reminding myself this was not just a thing. You, this is a huge part of who you are. It's a huge part of the way you think. It's a huge part of the debt that you owe. It's a huge part of your life. And then also, when I do have a negative thought, a thought of doubt of, man, you would be a great attorney, I immediately say, that is not true, because I don't know that I'll be a great attorney. And I say, I am a great lawyer. And I just constantly reaffirm the stuff that I know is happening now. What's happening now is, I'm a great lawyer. So time has helped surrounding myself with my things and then immediately just combating any of those thoughts of doubt. Yeah. And I want to say that I think your podcast is such a good resource for people who may have finished, may not have passed the bar or people who are just like, this sucks. This is not for me. I think for certain professions like lawyers and doctors, you have been pursuing that thing for a minute. So once you get in it and you figure out, oh, I don't like this as much as I thought I would like it, you may have like a crisis and having a podcast like yours lets you know that, no, 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 you're not done here. There are other things you can do. You can pivot and you can transfer those skills that you've learned into something else. And it's okay. Yeah, it is. And I have some guests that that find me, but I would say probably 50-50, I'm finding the guest now, which which is a blessing. (laughs) 
But I talk to people who love being attorneys and who just have a business on the side. I talk to people who didn't care for being an attorney and decided to do something else. I talked to one woman who was a nurse for a number of years and excelling as a nurse, an emergency nurse. And then she was like, I wish I could do more to help people. What does it look like from the legal side? And then she went to law school and she still is practicing, even though she has a JD or she still is a practicing nurse. Because she was like, now that I know if I don't like something that I see, I actually have the resources in the network to say, who do I talk to to change this? Right. Mm -hmm. So I make sure it's not a I hate law school. I hate the bar exam podcast at all. It's definitely about do you have an exciting career, an exciting career change and exciting interests? But the one common denominator is that we all went to law school. I love that it just shows how full we are as people and how we can evolve. And it's good to evolve and to lean into that. I think our generation, we're looking at our parents who did the same thing for like 40 years. And that may have been fine for them, but I think now our world is a little bit different. And maybe we, because we have access to seeing how people live their lives, that we can see, oh, I can do many things. I can pursue many different passions. And at my core, I'm the same, but I just have different facets. And I think it's really important for us to know that. It is. And to speak on access, I think social media has allowed people to see things and even dream. Wow, look at that person. They're doing all this. And you get to see that people are multifaceted. I'm not just a worker bee. I do this, I do that, I do whatever. So I think that that has definitely helped as well. I love it. I think there's so much beauty in pivoting. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. No, it's mostly uncomfortable, right? Like the actual transition. <laughs> but I think once you get to the other side, whatever the other side is, is fulfilling. For me, this podcast has been something that I would never have done. It's just not my personality to put myself out there. I'm very introverted and I've never been creative at all because I was always nose in the books, focused on one thing. And I think this podcast has allowed me to see that, oh, I am kind of creative. I have some creative knack and just learning more about myself. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, the environment, stress, or simply not getting enough of the right foods can leave us deficient in key nutrients. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill in the nutritional gaps in your diet, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system without the need of taking multiple products or pills. For the past few months, Athletic Greens has been a staple in my routine. I especially appreciate their vitamin D supplement that's formulated for greater bioavailability. Those who are melanated are notoriously vitamin D deficient, which plays a huge role in so many of our organ systems. Athletic Green understands its importance and is giving my listeners a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you subscribe. To redeem your offer, visit athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash bewellsis for your one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. In what ways have your career pivots like help you to rediscover different parts of Kyla? My career pivots have reminded me of a lot of things that were in my personality and things that I love to do before I went to law school. First thing, 
and especially if you show the video, this pink hair, this is my self-portrait from high school that I made of myself. I never had pink hair, but I was like, this is how I see myself. This is great. I guess I'm technically creative, right? So I paint. I play the piano and even did recitals when I was younger. I have a podcast right now. I crochet and I knit blankets and scarves and all of that. Okay. My career pivots have reminded me that I do enjoy creating things, no matter what it is. I do enjoy creating. I love seeing something go from nothing to something. My website, I think I had like 204 visitors to my website in June. My husband and I had a party. So I was like, okay, so me, my family, extended friends, I don't even think I know 200 people who went. I'm like, this is what I don't know. And I was just like, oh my gosh. To go from nothing to, to that is a huge, even if you were going somewhere else and misspelled it and got to my site, I'm like, oh my gosh. I love that you celebrated too. It's so important to celebrate every single thing. That's something I'm learning to do because I don't celebrate anything. Yeah. I had a pastor who used to always say, don't despise small beginnings because everything came from somewhere. And so I'm always like, yes. So I see the creativity when crocheting, especially you take a, a ball of yarn and then at the end of it, you have a big blanket. And I'm just like, and that's one piece of thread. It's incredible. Pivoting my career has just reminded me of things that I used to do, things that I enjoyed. The fact that even the department that I left, I created it. People were looking for another Kyla. They were like, man, your specific set of skills and talents and experiences, where can we find them? And they did start to hire more law school graduates for roles that weren't attorney-based, but they're still like, it's not Kyla. And even that, I'm like, it's because I'm Kyla. <laughs> another Kyla. One of my mentors in my head, my leak Teal always says, I can give you the playbook, but I'm the magic. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to think about that all the time. Like, especially even when I leave, you know, I'll leave you a rule book and here's all the stuff I've done. And here's all of the, the procedures. I'm always like, oh, it's fine. No, anyone can do it. But I'm like, actually, I'm the magic. I, I was right. the one. Right. Actually, they can't. Like, I'm being nice. So all of my pivots, they forced me to be creative. And in being creative, it reminded me that I actually enjoy creating. I have created in different forms or fashions a lot of different things. And I actually like doing that. Yeah. One thing that I would like to say is that I love that you were the first one in and they saw so much that you were able to do your capabilities that now other law school graduates who are in transition or whatever don't have to go through what you went through by having like a lower entry salary job and all that kind of stuff too. So I think that in itself is huge. If it's happening, that would be great. But yeah, the goal was to give people a blueprint, even to take that one step further. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, which has Ohio State and it's a really diverse community and city, right? But I live in Cincinnati and Cincinnati is not like that. <laughs> so I was the first Black woman in that firm of like 150 people who was not in a hospitality role, like bringing coffees and sodas for meetings. So that was a huge deal. And then I hired three Black women as a part of the team. And so everyone's like, who are these young people? And wow, <laughs> there's color. It was important to me. I wouldn't give anyone a free pass, but if you're qualified and somebody else was qualified and you happen to have a little more melanin, I'm going to give you that spot because we don't see people that look like us in this space. Literally, <laughs> I was the only one. And then to bring on others and to have them look at me as either a boss. And then when I left and to be like, wow, I still have her as a peer. It was good for me. I thought the, the representation of it was important. 
I love that about us. I feel like Black women specifically really see that, internalize it, and then make something happen. I think about my journey. Every door that was ever like cracked open for me is because it was a sister who holds me up. When I was wanting to leave just because I wanted a little bit more freedom in my career, I was like, I can't leave because it's going to go back to the way it was. And I had to give myself the freedom to say, you did your part. Sis, you got to let it go. You can't stay here forever just because you started it. Listening to you talk, you have a lot of healthy internal dialogue. You don't beat yourself up. Okay, I was going to ask you, are you in therapy or have you been? Yeah, I'm in therapy. It's a blessing to say we meet now every three weeks because it used to be a couple times a week. Uh, I think I've been with her maybe three years now. And she gets me together. She has a good way of saying, you're surprised by. So I'll be like, oh my goodness, did they drove me crazy? My daughter stopped taking her bottle and da, da, da. And she's like, you mean you were surprised that your daughter stopped taking her bottle? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was, exactly. And, oh my goodness. And then I went to get gas and the prices were so high. Oh, you were surprised that the prices were so high? Like she makes me shift stuff and be like, you thought this was your day and your day ended up being like this. So you were surprised by. So she, oh yeah, she is awesome. <laughs> what prompted you to get, to seek a therapy? Was it this transition that prompted it? I was prompted to go to therapy because I hated my job. I remember one time my husband was going out to get drinks with his coworkers. And I was like, gross. Why do you want to see people you work with outside hours? Like, we would drive by my office and I would be like, oh, is it, you know, is it Sunday? I got to go to work tomorrow because I was so overworked and I was so stressed out and I felt like I had to do it all. Again, in hindsight now, We Need Another Kyla was like a great accolade. But when you're hearing that and you're just like, yeah, but can you hire another one tomorrow? Because <laughs> I'm doing all the meantime. And, and I love that office. I still talk to a lot of people there, but I was extremely overworked. I felt like, for one thing, law school pushes you in a way that I could do 17 things and it felt like five. And that's just because if I have to proof read a letter, but I also have to do something, then read your notes to your, you know, to your phone and play it out loud so that you're proofing while you're doing this. Like I was always doing more than one thing. And then I wanted to get married. And I was like, I don't have space. Where's the room? And then when my husband was going out with his friends, his coworkers, that was my tipping point. And I was like, okay, this isn't working, but I wasn't ready to leave. So I was like, I have to do something. And I ended up getting a therapist. And it was because ironically, I thought I had ADD. And so I went looking for someone and I went and like took the test and everything. And the guy was like, Actually, you are very far from ADD. So ADD testing, they sit you in a small closet-sized room, no windows with a laptop, and you like click every time you see a number. Or there's a number of different tests, but mine were like, click when you see a number, click when you hear a sound, things like that. And he was like, you have like 95%, 98%. He was like, you are actually a little too stoic. Because he's like, there's a double-sized mirror, we're watching you. He was like, you're just clicking, you're not fidgeting, you're not looking around the room. <laughs> he was like, you are very far off. And I'm like, but I'm doing all this stuff. And the truth is, I was just pushing myself to just do all these things, right? If your brain is like a computer, I had all these tabs open. So that made me realize, okay, I don't have a problem with focusing. I'm just doing a lot. I don't need somebody to talk to me for that. So well, then I need someone to just talk to. I have become such an advocate for therapy. We all need therapy. 
period. If you are alive, you need therapy just because, you know, as children, we're not really taught how to, if we are uncomfortable, like if we have like an uncomfortable thought, even we're taught to like suppress it and just get away from it somehow. And then we just keep that cycle. And then when we get older, we just don't know how to address ourselves and to talk to ourselves and ask ourselves those hard questions or those not so hard questions. Like, why am I so triggered by this person? Why am I bothered? Or why am I unhappy? Or why this? Why that? We just don't ask ourselves why. And that's what I've learned in therapy is to like ask like, okay, what what's going on, Cass? For real. Is it them or is it you? Super important. Yeah. And for a long time, I thought that like my friends, I guess, were my therapist. Like, oh, I can just talk to so-and-so and they'll help me. Or eventually it'll get so pent up that I'll just cry one day and then that's when I'll be over it. But therapy doesn't remove your friends. It doesn't even remove you being overwhelmed to the point of tears. It's a space for you to just come and just be. And it is different. You mentioned talking to your friends. I used to do the same thing. Like, well, I talked to my friend about whatever. But I realized that, A, back then, we were at the same mind space where very pessimistic or we had been dealing or not dealing with our same issues. So she may not be able to give me like helpful advice, you know, she like hyped me up. Yeah, it is them. Like the other problem, like, yes, when really it is, you know what I mean? It's not external per se. And depending on how bad you are, you would call the one friend that you know would tell you, yes, you're right. And then you got the other friend that would probably be like, let's think about it. It's like, no, I don't have time for that. I went, Tell me, I'm, let me call that friend. Exactly. You know, I'm going to call you back. Like, you know, fun right now. <laughs> I'm not saying the right time. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so outside of therapy, what would your advice be to someone who's leaning into a, a pivot or just trying to be like their full selves? Like what would your advice be for their first step if they don't know what to do, how to approach things? A first step for you to be your full self is to write down or to daydream about what you think your full self looks like. That's first. Because since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a mom. And I mean, even with my husband, I'm like, being married is cool. But if we're together and like raising a family, I was okay with that. I'm like, marriage, if we're having a family and we agree to be together, cool. I knew that I wanted that to be in my future. I didn't know how to get there, but I knew that was what I wanted. So I would say that that would be the first step. Just imagine what you think your full self looks like, how you think you get there, right? Once I had remembered and even allowed myself to be like, Kyla, remember you want these things? Yeah, baby girl, uh, 40 is not far off. Are you still going to do these things? <laughs> I mean, we had discussed adopting and other stuff, but like, if you're trying to do these things, we got to get started. And so then it actually made it a lot easier for me to take those steps to head towards what I wanted. Yeah, I would say a first step is just to think about what you want. Do you want to be an attorney? Have you thought about what sacrifices you need to put in to get there? Have you thought about what the joy will look like on the other side? Yeah, so well said. And I didn't realize the power of the imagination. Your mind provides like a map in a way, like what do you want? And that way you can reverse engineer it. Your mind, your imagination can take you wherever. If you want to be daydreaming about the worst, you can go there and you can spend time there. If you want to think about the best and the positive, you can do that too. As we wrap up, I always like to ask two questions. So the first question is, if there was a book that you could recommend to the audience about anything at all, what would it be? That is simple. The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes is incredible. I read that maybe four years ago, I have a copy here and it, she allowed herself for a year to just say yes to things. And not my skeptical self was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Do you want to go here? Yes. But that was it. Hey, do you want to go to Germany this Christmas? 
yeah. Hey, do you want to scuba dive? Yeah. You know what I mean? She gave herself permission, I guess, to say yes to things. It was awesome. It's a great read. I started that book a couple years ago and I, and I didn't finish it. I'm going to revisit it. It has some dry, some slow points. Maybe skip that chapter and then pick up, but it, it was pretty good. And then the last question is, what is something that brought you joy in the last few days? Okay, so my whole life, I've slept to just, you're just tired and you fall asleep on the couch and you drag yourself to bed. Girl, now it's like 7 p.m. And I'm like, you are going to bed at nine o'clock. Like I get joyful thinking about going to bed. And it's so surprising. I remember earlier I was on the couch and I was like, oh, I get to go to bed tonight. And I was just <laughs> like, you're thinking about a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. I was just like, I cannot wait to intentionally get in bed and going to sleep. And I don't know why now, but this week I've just been like, I cannot wait to get in bed. And you can hear from this, like I'm awake, I'm alert. I'm not like fatigued, but I'm just enjoying going to bed. So yes. Rest and sleep is underrated. Truly a good night's sleep will just really change things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you being on here. This is great. This is fun. Mental health is important. And I'm glad that you are telling people to be well. Yeah. I feel like I sound like a broken record. I talk about the same stuff over and over again, but I just feel like we just need to hear it. It, It's okay to prioritize yourself, prioritize your mental health because it's the foundation for everything. Thanks for joining this episode of the Be Well Sis podcast. If you've enjoyed anything discussed, please follow along and leave a five-star rating and review on whatever streaming platform you're listening from. And for more information or for show transcripts, please visit thebewellsis.com for more. Be Well Sis.